0: Chimera by Phil Goll. Read by Dan Snelgrove. Chapter 5 The Elsewhere Light. Kip and Atticus hurried through the Lumen Arboretum. Twigs snapped and baubles shattered as things unseen crept alongside them. Was the fugue creeping too, Kip wondered, spreading inside him like ink into paper. It wasn't long before the standard lamps dwindled and the soft crunch of pine needles gave way to a floor of black-and-white checkered linoleum. Pushing their way through the last few Christmas trees, they arrived in a flat, barren space illuminated by strings of bare light bulbs. The bulbs were so far above their heads, they glimmered like constellations. Before them, a crag-topped mountain dominated the horizon, its summit shrouded in purple mist. Per du Atticus informed Kip. And beyond it, the city of Thingopolis. Kip stared up at the mountain. It looked dark, forbidding, and impossibly steep. We're climbing that! We're going under it, through the bedrock catacombs. Their entrance lies at the foot of the mountain. Climbing per du will take too long, and the mountain is treacherous with marble slides. Marbles gather up there in vast glaciers. The slightest sound can set one off. Great avalanches of glass pouring down the mountain. You're to follow me. Keep quiet and stay close. With slow, cautious sweeps of his tail, Atticus moved across the checkerboard linoleum. Kip followed. Wisps of purplish mist began curling around him. It was thick, with an odour of lavender. The mist settled on the ground, obscuring first the linoleum, and then Kip's feet. It thickened still further, and rose from the ground in mauve clouds. The Dowager Miasma, said Atticus. Don't let it confuse you keep going, keep straight. A sudden movement on the ground made Kip cry out. Hushing him, Atticus said, ah, keep walking, don't stop, you mustn't stop. Oh, Kip felt it again, a sensation against his legs, like the rub of cats. Out of the fog bounced an orb of grey fluff as big as a beach ball. It nuzzled Kip's thigh. Another one appeared, followed by another. What are they? panicked Kip, as more of the spherical creatures sprang from the miasma. Periwigs! Harmless, but they'll distract you if you let them. Kip did his best to ignore the periwigs, but the jostle of their fat, furry bodies confused his stride. His foot connected with something hard, an unseen object rattling loudly across the linoleum. Startled, the periwigs darted away into the mist. Kip stopped. Atticus too. There was wreckage strewn across their path. A grandfather clock with its pendulums gone and its face smashed. A spoon-backed chair gobs of yellow foam poking from its wine-red upholstery. A hat-stand leaned against a pretty wooden dressing table. Its crown of pegs snapped. The dressing table's mirror was broken and its handles torn from its drawers. The dowager miasma veiled the debris in wisps of dirty lilac silk. Atticus glanced about uneasily. This is the berserker's handiwork. We should go. We can't just leave them here, said Kip. They belong to someone. Not anymore. When the Berserker attacked, their Elsewhere Lights were snuffed out. Atticus smiled at Kip appreciatively. Ah, Elsewhere Light is the aura being cherished in parts. And only as long as an object shines with one can Saint Antony return it to the elsewhere world. The bonds between these lost properties and their owners have been forcibly broken. They won't know when or why, but the humans who loved them have stopped noticing the gap on the wall and the empty space in the hallway. These objects are not lost anymore. They're forgotten. But what will happen to them now? Where will they go? What will they do? Nothing. These poor things are detritums. Dead objects. Kip marched over to the grandfather clock. He attempted to move it. Atticus touched him gently on the shoulder with his tail. It's no use, he said. I don't care. You don't just abandon things. Ah, Kip, Atticus began, but Kip didn't hear the rest. He ran, churning the miasma in his wake. Atticus implored him to come back, but Kip didn't listen. He stumbled over the remains of more of the berserker's victims. He cringed. He panicked. Everything was broken. Everything was dark. He stopped, turning wildly about. Wreckage surrounded him. Kip felt very weak suddenly, very small. His head spun. He was afraid he was going to fall. Kip sat down on a broken chair. (sighs) A gaggle of periwigs gathered around his feet. They mewled and sat on his shoes. From his pocket, Kip took the scrap of sky blue wallpaper which he placed on the flat of his palm. It was creased and faded. It looked like nothing at all. But Kip and his dad had chosen the wallpaper together and then covered his bedroom walls from ceiling to skirting board with glow-in-the-dark stars at night. Kip drifting warm and weightless towards sleep. It was like being on the moon. Kip thought about his dad. He thought about his mum. They were gone forever. And so was his room, with its blue walls and starlight. There was another squirrelled square of paper in Kip's pocket, which he took out and unfolded gently. He held the paper close to his face so he might see the picture he'd drawn in coloured crayons when he'd been much younger. Of a house with four windows, a red front door, and a great scribble of smoke leaving its chimney. In front of the house were three figures. One of them small, wearing a pirate's hat and a big belt with a skull and crossbones buckle. The other two, a nice-looking lady with lots of curls, and a man wearing a blue suit and a polka dot tie were standing beside him. The three of them were holding hands, clown-sized grins on their faces. Kip wondered how long it would take for the fugue to vanish his memories. He thought about the magician in the top hat with the nice face and pockets filled with silk. He imagined the fugue extinguishing the rainbow-coloured spotlights above him one by one, the light around the magician shrinking inch by inch until there was nothing but the dark. The idea of that slow, shrinking circle chilled Kip, but there was comfort in it too. He stared down at the babyish crayon drawing in his hand and at the silly patch of wallpaper, He thought too about the soft green leaf he still carried about with him, and about the conker on its long red bootlace, his pockets stuffed with all this pointless rubbish. What good to him was any of it now? It was all just so much dust, and yet how it weighed on him too. He might just as well have filled his pockets with rocks. Kip was about to tear up the crayon drawing and the wallpaper and scatter their pieces amongst the other scraps and outcasts. When a cry startled him from his chair, the periwigs ceased their chatter. Something else was lost in the fog.